you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And now, move the sticks. Ten takeaways from week eight. With Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's DJ Bucky. Rhett, back with you here for a takeaway episode. And uh, Bucky, first first of all, I don't know about you, but I thought kind of a sloppy, sloppy Sunday of football. What do you think? Yeah, really sloppy, but it, it, it makes sense, DJ, because the weather's changing. We saw cold weather. We saw a lot of wind, and that impacts how teams play. And so we're going to continue to see some of the sloppiness creep into play as the weather continues to turn. And, and guys, I just think that we are at the halfway point of this season here now with one game left to go to close out week eight as we approach week nine. And I still think there's so much we haven't learned about a couple of teams that could very well be contenders once we get into the postseason, looking at the Rams who are coming off a loss to the Dolphins, looking at the Saints after a win over the Bears, just still a lot of unknowns left at this point in the season. 
No, I'm with you. Uh, it was a, it's kind of a weird week here yeah. as we uh, finish up week eight. But let's let's get the takeaway started here. We've got ten coming your way. I'll lead us off from the Sunday night game, and this one is not complicated. Dallas, <laughs> you're a mess. Eagles faking the blitz. Now here they come. The Nucci back. They've got him. They've out. got him. Football is out. It's him. And the Eagles are going to pick it up. They're running with the football. And down the sideline, all the way down, it's Jalen Mills. No, it's Rodney McLeod. Rodney McLeod picked it up. Rodney McLeod on a scoop and score. Merrill Reese there, the legendary Merrill Reese. Uh, look, guys, when you, when you watch this football game, I, I got the sense, I didn't know what Philadelphia was doing because I thought you literally could just run the ball, take a knee if you want, whatever you want to do. Dallas is not going to be able to move the ball and score enough points to win this football game. Thought Philadelphia with Carson Wentz and the turnovers, which continued to be a bugaboo of his, kind of kept the Cowboys in, alive and in this football game. But look, I don't be too hard on him. You're on your third quarterback, Buck. I get that for the Cowboys, but man, it's just. I'm trying to locate the building blocks, what's going to be a part of their future, and there's not as many names as you'd hope for. You know, DJ, as bad as it looked, this was actually a better performance for the Dallas Cowboys. I'll say this. This game was mismanaged by their coaches, particularly Kellen Moore, because the way this game started, they were trying to grind it out, play ground and pound, keep the game close, and maybe win in the fourth quarter. Every time they had a chance to really put some points on the board, Kellen Moore decided that he wanted to do a cute play, a reverse uh, he wanted to put the ball in Ben DiNucci's hand, uh, a third-string quarterback that throws that 40 times in a game, which doesn't make any sense to me. And so <laughs> before I can blame the players, the coaches have to put the team in a better position to win, particularly when you don't have all your weapons available. And Bucky, yet with under six minutes to play, they're at midfield going in for what could be the game-changing score. Like, they had plenty of opportunities in this game, and the reason they had them was because of the turnovers from Philly from Carson Wentz in particular, who now has 16 giveaways, most in the league so far this season. He becomes just the third starting quarterback since 1992 to win a game, despite having two picks, two fumbles, and to throw for fewer than 150 yards. The interesting part of that stat, and the reason why I give it to you, is because the other two that I was talking about actually reached the Super Bowl in the season that they did it. Eli Manning with the Giants in 2007, and Rex Grossman with the Bears in 2006. So maybe they found the formula to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the Eagles, the Eagles, it was ugly, and they've been ugly all year long, but they're kind of hovering around 500 now. They're going to get Miles Sanders back. You saw them get Goddard and Rager back in that game. Isaac Samalo, they're going to get a starting guard back here. So they've got some reinforcements coming. Yeah. Uh, Lane Johnson didn't play in that game. Hopefully you get him healthy going forward. So there's reinforcements coming. But I want to get to you one more time on this, Buck, as we wrap up this first point. I don't know if it's too many voices in Carson Wentz's ear. I, I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning is, but the decision-making has been troubling, to say the least, and it doesn't show any signs of improving. No, it doesn't show any signs of improving. I can't really understand. We've never seen a player regress like this, from being an MVP-caliber player to a guy who is absolutely awful when it comes to decision-making and the turnovers. And he talks about it every week in the post-game presser, but we haven't seen the changes you're talking about a guy leading the league in interceptions, sacks, giveaways. I mean, all of the bad stuff. And if he can't do it on his own, then Doug Peterson probably needs to scale back some of the stuff they're doing and take the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands. Yeah, well, look, it's, uh, it's at least it's good to get a win, I guess, if you're the Eagles. But, man, that was a tough watch there all the way around. All right, Buck, what's your takeaway here? The Vikings run over the Green Bay Packers. 
First and 10 from the Green Bay 21. Irv Smith Jr. in motion to the left. Offset eye left. Hand off Dalvin. He has room to the 15-10. Five. Touchdown! 21-yard touchdown by Dalvin Cook. And it's 7-6 Green Bay. DJ, you got to like Paul Allen on the call. But you hear Dalvin Cook just running and running and running. And 30 carries, 163 yards, two receptions, 63 yards. 226 total yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns. That's exactly what you want to see. I think the thing that is troubling to me, if I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, we've seen this recipe and formula work for other teams. We saw them get mollywhopped by the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs with a strong running game. We're now seeing the Minnesota Vikings pummel the Packers with a running game that is a kissing cousin of that. If the Green Bay Packers can't stop the run with their defense, they're not going to go far in the postseason. And if I'm Matt LaFleur, I got to pull Mike Pettin into the office. I got to figure out what is going on with our run defense because every team is going to see this tape and they're going to get a heavy dose of this zone running game that the Minnesota Vikings use. Well, and I I tell you what, guys, I mean, this was the recipe to beat the Packers on defense and to simultaneously beat the Packers offense because with Dalvin Cook running the football the way they did, they made this a limited possession game. And I don't know why I'm so fascinated by the number of possessions. I remember I I gave you the stat about the Bills and their possessions last week ending up uh, all inside the Jets 35 yard line. This was crazy to me. There were just four, basically, basically four true possessions combined between these two teams in the first half. They had a 614 drive, 622, 759, 854. By the way, the Rams and the Dolphins combined for 18 first half possessions okay so what you did with Dalvin Cook was you dominated the Packers defense on the ground you controlled the clock enough to limit Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams uh, just enough right because they connected three times for three touchdowns but you kept them off the field enough so that it didn't hurt you helping your defense I mean that's complimentary football to me where the ground game not only fuels your offense but also helps your defense yeah no look the, the Minnesota Vikings that was kind of the team I thought we were going to see from the beginning of the season and uh that was the version of it right there and after back going back and watching the tape I I'll give a little hat tip there to Garrett Bradbury what he did in that game his ability to get out in the perimeter get up to the second level a, a very very athletic center was a key part on the screen for a touchdown as well as another couple long runs from Dalvin Cook so I uh, wanted to give him a little bit of love there. All right, takeaway number three, Rhett, what do we have? Another win for KC, another arm angle for Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City, second down, goal to go. Sprint and actually shovel it inside to Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. It was like a softball pitcher. That time Mahomes went underhand and scooped it to Kelsey for a shovel pass inside the right tackle for a touchdown. And all of the softball fans in the Chiefs' kingdom rejoice. Mitch Holtis on the call. I don't know if it was a softball pitch or if he was bowling for a strike. One way or another, <laughs> add another throw to the repertoire of Patrick Mahomes. We've seen the no look. We've seen the lefty. Now we have the underhand touchdown toss. And look, Patrick Mahomes attended the Manning Passing Academy a couple of years ago when he was at Texas Tech. I didn't know he and Archie Manning got together to perfect Archie's signature move back when he was playing the old underhand toss. Uh, mostly Archie had to do that because he was under pressure his entire career. Um, but look, that that was fun, and that basically ended the intrigue of this game because <laughs> the Chiefs absolutely <laughs> dominated in the air. They didn't even need to run Le'Veon Bell in the revenge game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was 
basically zero in this game. And so Mahomes and Tyreek Hill connected twice for 30-plus yard TD connections, further distancing themselves from the rest of the crowd. They lead the league in that category since 2018, both of them. So, look, the Chiefs, this was just a, this was just a, I don't know, a, a pothole on their trip through the AFC. Uh, Rhett, it's funny that you brought up Pat Mahomes' arm angle because I think Mike McCarthy should pull Ben DiNucci in the office and tell him, quit watching early afternoon games. <laughs> That's right. Because the Sunday night game, Ben DiNucci is trying all these sidearm and underhand tricks, and he is now heavily influenced by what Pat Mahomes was able to do. No more TV before games no. for Ben DiNucci. I don't want to see him Straight trying to bed. the Pat Mahomes trickery. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm with you on that. I, I don't think Ben DiNucci needs to be trying to do anything that Patrick <laughs> Mahomes has been doing. Uh, I did think this was interesting, though, to show you uh, the other side of how you play the Kansas City Chiefs. What we've seen all year long is people say, we're going to rush four, we're going to drop in coverage, try and keep the ball in front. If you want to run it, we're just going to let you. And that's what team, that's what the Kansas City Chiefs have done. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, big yards, big yards. Mahomes, if he wants to take off and run, has had yards there. But they've done a decent job around the league of limiting those huge explosive plays over the top. And here comes Greg Williams, who says, look, Le'Veon Bell, we're not going to let him have any kind of a moment here. We're going to sell out. We're going to go after Mahomes. We're going to shut down the run game. And the points pile up in a hurry. Uh, So if you have your choice, I'm going to lend more towards the let's just be patient, try and stop him in the red zone. You can run the ball all you want philosophy, uh, as opposed to to daring Patrick Mahomes at the line of scrimmage. That did uh, did not end up well. All right, let's keep it going here. I'm going to go takeaway number four, and that is Joe Burrow makes everyone better. Bernard in the backfield to the left of Burrow on third down and one at the Tennessee seven. Burrow fakes to Bernard, throws into the end zone. Touchdown, Tyler Boyd. The Bengals score in the red zone and lead it 23 to seven. Now the Bengals down their entire offensive line, all backups out there, and give them credit. Uh, Keem Medenigy and company played well, protected Joe Burrow. I don't think there were any sacks in this ball game, but Joe Burrow once again shows the definition of a truck. Buck, we talk about trucks and trailers. You know, can you elevate and pull the rest of the team behind you, or do you get pulled by your supporting cast? And as the names and numbers change in front of him and around him. Joe Burrow has found a way each and every week to make this Bengals team competitive, and in this case, beat a really good Tennessee Titans football team. So, uh, man, I don't know if you can be more fired up if you're a Bengals fan right now with, with what you have in your quarterback, but this was, a, this was a great sign for the future of this team. Great sign for the future, but DJ, I want to go outside and look at the wide receivers. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, they have quite a duo now with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know everyone's going to say, what about A.J. Green? But at this point, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins should not only get all the targets, but they should be the primary playmakers. It is a fantastic job in developing their young playmakers on the outside with Joe Burrow. If I'm the Cincinnati Bengals and if I'm a fan in the Queen City, I am excited about what this offense is showing each and every week. Yeah, and on the flip side, DJ, you had mentioned uh, that uh, banged-up offensive line for the Bengals. It wasn't one of the top units in football to begin with when fully healthy. Did a nice job protecting Burrow, zero sacks. And that is a continued indictment on the lack of pass rush for the Tennessee Titans. They brought in Vic Beasley. They brought in Jadevian Clowney late. Harold Landry, though, is bar none the best pass rusher on this team, yet they cannot generate consistent pressure. I mean, you're, you're looking at a team that is bottom five in the league in total quarterback pressures, in pressure rate per dropback, and in hurries as well. They cannot put any sort of duress 
on the opposing quarterback right now on a consistent basis. And they're not blitzing to generate pressure either. They blitzed, um, I want to say, eight blitzes uh, against Cincinnati, even though they were getting zero pressure against the banged-up offensive line. I don't know if it's just not in their MO defensively game plan-wise to do that and put more pressure on the guys on the back end. But uh, you you got to find a way to create and generate a little more trouble for the opposing quarterbacks if they want to kind of make take this defense deep into the playoffs. I think we can agree, too, that pass rush, as Bucky's always said, is an, is an artistry. And Jadavian Clowney's not an artist. He's not. He's, 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 he's a an big athlete. athletic player who's who's made some plays but he has never ever developed his craft as a pass rusher just hasn't done it and that's why I think you've seen the money continue to be thrown at him over all these years is based off of those traits but it has never been able to produce at the rate of what he should have based off the reputation and I think it's because he's just it's not a it's not an art form for him he's not a, a polished technician he just he goes out there as, as a big rangy athlete and finds his way into some plays but he's not a pass rusher no, he's not a pass rusher. He doesn't have what it takes. And DJ, we've talked about this numerous times. Hard to pay big money for a guy who doesn't get after the pass. And the fact that he's never had double-digit sacks speaks volumes about a guy that was a former number one overall pick in a draft. No doubt. All right, let's keep the train moving here, Buck. What's your second takeaway? The Dolphins flex their muscles on the Rams. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking good. Touchdown, Parker. Now you have the answer to a long-time trivia question. Who caught to his first touchdown? And it's Devontae Parker. <laughs> you know, we, we went into this game excited about two a time, but I have now walked <laughs> away from the game falling in love with the Dolphins' no-name defense and their ability to play a bunch of different ways. DJ, Red, when you look at this team, four takeaways, two sacks, eight quarterback hits, and then you have four tackles for loss, and I don't think we can name anybody on their defense and so Brian Flores has this team playing really really well on defense and oh by the way Jakeem Grant takes an 88 yard punt return to get a scoop and score for Andrew Van Ginkle and then to get a punt return touchdown from Grant to be able to score these touchdowns without having to put it into his hands man you have to like what the Miami Dolphins are doing because they can do it without the quarterback playing the leading role yeah, second straight week, we've seen a team score in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, all in the first half of a game. Chiefs did it last week. Dolphins do it this week. And look, this was marked, as you said, uh, Bucky, as the, you know, the two-a-time era getting underway. But that touchdown and his play was the furthest thing from the story in this game. It was about special teams, and it was about defense, that Brian Flores influenced defense. I don't know how much – you know, I'd have to truly go back and look at the Super Bowl when they played the Rams to see when he was with the Patriots to see how much uh, how, how similar he tried to play this Rams offense this year with the Dolphins uh, in this game. But golf was under pressure. This has been a couple of it's been a it's been a, a weird stretch for golf in the last couple of weeks after the way he started this season. But you say no name defense. I mean, Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, a couple of cast offs. I mean, they look like Pat Swilling and Ricky Jackson from the early 90s Dome <laughs> Patrol for the Saints coming off the edge. I mean, that was they were getting after Jared Goff, especially in the first half, forcing their those turnovers. And I mean, look, the Dolphins had 145 yards of total offense and they won the game like handily. It was never really in question. It felt like so. Uh, credit to that Dolphins defense. They are, by the way, in play in the AFC East. 
Um, and despite Tua, oh yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. I mean, they're they're basically a game back in the loss column. You got the Bills at six and two, and uh, the the Finns at four and three right now. So, um, you know, this this will be interesting down the stretch. But it did kind of feel like there was a different energy about the Dolphins team with Tua in there. I don't I don't know if that's a tangible thing or not. But man, it, it, they they played well. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there is something to that. I know people say, oh, you don't count quarterback wins, but there is something to kind of getting a little juice and a little energy, and that's what Tua brings. Uh, but, look, they didn't really need him in this game. They haven't really exactly figured out exactly how to use him yet in the proper way, in my opinion, after just watching this tape. I, there needs to be more RPOs. They moved him around a little bit, um, but need to do that more. He didn't get comfortable. And I think with the RPO game, Buck, I think that's what kind of gets Tua into a nice little rhythm. Um, and so you saw him miss some layups yeah. in this game that I'm, I'm not used to seeing him miss and just never really got comfortable. And let, look, let's give the Rams and their defense some credit for that as well. But uh, hopefully going forward, you're going to see Chan Gailey get a better feel for how to use his young quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you, GJ. He didn't get into a rhythm. They do need to add some of the RPOs. But I also believe this. It's been a year since he's played in a game. He didn't play in a preseason game. The bullets fly a lot faster in games than they do in practice. Yeah. I think we'll see him get better and better each week. But slow start for him, great win for the Dolphins, though. All right, absolutely. All right, uh, what's, uh, what's number six here, Rhett? What do you got? Takeaway number six, the Ravens. A little short on MVP magic. Empty set, shotgun snap, third and six. Time for Lamar Jackson. Intercepted, running down the field. That is Robert Spillane for a pick six. Wow. That quickly into this football game. So, look. You know, I mentioned short on MVP magic. There's no hocus pocus about this. You can't turn the ball over four times against a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now the lone remaining undefeated team, a 7-0 right now and two games ahead of the Ravens atop the AFC North at this point. So look, on game day highlight or game day live on the highlights, we kept showing Lamar's miscues, the two interceptions, his first career pick six to open the game, another pick called back, the two fumbles, even though the last one didn't really matter. But the issue for me is like their pass game is just off, period. If you're taking away Mark Andrews, what else is there in the pass game? Now, look, I know they ran it for 265 yards, and that's great. Against a really good Pittsburgh Steelers defense, that's something to say. They put up over 400 total yards. But, man, like where's the big play, the dynamic threat from Marquise Brown? Drafted him in the first round to be a home run hitter. And outside of his debut in the NFL week one last year, I mean, we have rarely seen it. They just can't find a way to consistently get him the ball. He had a tweet that he deleted that said, like, uh, hey, what's you know what's going on here? Essentially, like, you know, we've got some of these resources and we're not using them, kind of raising both hands. Like, hey, I'm over here. Remember me. Um, Ravens defense was dominant in this game, but it didn't matter because of the turnovers uh, and the lack of big plays from Lamar Jackson in this offense. Lamar ran it 16 times, but only for like 60 yards. He runs it for 16, and they run as a team for over 265. I'm thinking he's close to 100. Didn't see. You know, Red, it's interesting about this Baltimore Ravens offense, right, because you point out that Lamar Jackson ran the ball 16 times. I would say that part of the reason why the other guys were successful is because he ran it so much. It could be, yeah. I will say this. He has to be better when it comes to the traditional drop-back passing game. But Lamar Jackson, to me, is very similar to Jared Goff. When you get both of these guys into a drop-back passing game, they don't fare as well. Mm -hmm. When you allow them to throw off play action, that's when they're at their best. And I think it's important for Greg Roman to understand who he's coaching at the quarterback position. They need to get away from the spread stuff 
bring it back into the phone booth, the heavy tight end sets, because that is really when they generated their explosive plays in the passing game a year ago. I know it's cute to want to do all of this other stuff and evolve his game, but I think sometimes you need to take Lamar where he is and keep him where he is and let him be the best at that as opposed to trying to stretch his game a little bit. Well, I thought it was interesting looking at it, how much zone coverage you're seeing. And even when they're in man, they're an off man. So you have all every defender, so you've got 11 defenders, um, you've got all those eyes on the quarterback and being able to see and be able to drive on the football and make plays. So I looked up the numbers. Had our buddy Bill Smith give me the numbers here because I was curious. Is it, are they seeing more zone coverage this year? Last year on percentage of dropbacks between the 20s, so they don't do this uh, inside the red zone, but between the 20s, 61% last year. He saw zone coverage this year. It's at 67. Yeah. Um, last year, you know, 11 touchdowns, five picks against zone coverage. This year, three touchdowns, three picks. So the completion percentage uh, drops four points from 69 to 65. So you're seeing teams, and I think that's a little bit of the game plan. It's kind of similar to what we're talking about dealing with Mahomes, but for different reasons. With Mahomes, it's you, you want to play zone coverage, keep the ball in front of you, uh, and limit the big plays. With Lamar, I think the feeling is that we're going to make him sort through a lot of bodies in the back end to be able to fit balls in tight windows, and the accuracy is not you know at the level of which it needs to be. And if you look at his overall stats this year, sacks are way up because he's holding the ball, trying to find open windows. Completion percentage is way down, and turnovers are up. So all those things point to me of teams saying, okay, we're going to give you some of this run game, which they did. When you run the ball that many yards, they're almost conceding a little bit of that and saying, but at some point in time, you're going to have to throw through a lot of bodies. And they got their hands on a couple footballs. There could have been a couple more as well. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that to me seems to be the formula, Buck, that, that you're going to see going forward against this team. It's funny, DJ, because you brought that up about Lamar Jackson. Teams are using the same formula to frustrate Josh Allen. It is something that you want these athletic quarterbacks to be able to do. We understand that you can beat us with your legs, but are you good enough to beat us with your arm when you have to throw timing, touch, and anticipation routes? Lamar Jackson has struggled, and we've also seen Josh Allen. It is something to keep an eye on as we get down the stretch to see how teams are defending these top quarterbacks for these playoff teams. And, DJ, real quickly, uh, just to hammer home your point on the drop-off versus zone coverage and some of those numbers it's not huge right it's not like a glaring drop off but in games like this against competition like this like the Steelers and like competition you'll see in the playoffs when the games are so tight that does make a difference and I think we've seen that in some of these big games that the Ravens have played well we'll consider this last nugget here and this is again from our buddy here uh Bill Smith who sent me this one um Lamar Jackson in 27 career regular season starts. So 27 starts, not counting the Steelers, 15 interceptions. Two starts versus the Steelers, seven interceptions. Yeah. So if you're the Ravens now, you know the Chiefs have kind of been your bugaboo in the postseason. Now you're starting to see the Steelers and their familiarity with this offense starting to build kind of a book here to try and defend Lamar Jackson. That's why it's a little bit scarier for the Ravens. You think about it, those are two teams you're absolutely going to have to get through uh, to get to the Super Bowl, and they seem to, at least a little bit, be figuring out this offense more so than the rest of the NFL. All right, let's keep this going here with takeaway number seven, and that is the New England Patriots are on, not to next week, they're on to 2021. Hey. Newton, going to take the shotgun snap, takes it, going to keep it and run with it, left side, gets good yardage inside the 15, ball. no ball comes out, loose ball, who's got it, the Bills may have it, it is Buffalo ball, 
Cam Newton fumbled at the 12-yard line, and the Bills recover. That is the game Justin right Zimmer there. Justin Zimmer got the strip, I believe, and the Bills come up with the football with 31 seconds left. Oh, my goodness. Well, that'll do it there and finish up the game there, a win for the Bills. But, man, I look at these New England Patriots, and I just look at a team that you break down the tape. Cam's not throwing it very well. I know the conditions were brutal in this game, so I, I want to you know, acknowledge that. But just, again, layup underneath, misses. Uh, precision passing is not going to be what he does. I did like the fact they used him more in the ground game this week, showed some good things outside of that fumble there to end the football game. But, um, man, I, I just I watch them, and I look at, at where they were and where they are now, and I look at what the standard is for that place and acknowledge all the opt-outs, all the players they're missing. I get it. But I guess it's been reported as we're recording this that they're not going to be sellers. I don't get it. To me, I would be on to twenty twenty one because this team's not going anywhere. What are you selling? They, they just don't have they don't have the pieces. I, I mean, I don't know. I get people have talked about Gilmore. I mean, yeah. Buck, I'll ask you that. Would you would you consider doing that? No, I think I think right now I still think it's too early to punt on the season. I know they're sitting at two and five, but I think if you're Bill Belichick and the Patriots, what you're shooting for is the goal to get the nine wins. Because remember, there's an extra playoff spot that is available. And so I think they did have a silver lining in this game. They discovered, rediscovered the run game. They ran for over 188 yards. Cam Newton ran the ball a ton of times and had some success. I think if you're the Patriots, this is the way that you have to play, but it's a razor thin margin for error in terms of the way that they play. And everyone is going to punt to the fumble, but the Patriots tied this game up and had an ill-advised onside kick attempt that they didn't recover, which gave Buffalo a short field. And so I understand the desperation, but if they're going to play and play the way that they're playing, they can't take these unnecessary risks. This is a team that went on the road and had a chance to knock off the top team in the division, so I'm not quite ready to punt on the season, but there's not a lot of talent that they are playing with at every level on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, Stephon Gilmore, unrestricted free agent following the 2021 season, so under contract under contract through uh, next year. I mean, yeah, I think you got to think about it. Maybe Joe Tooney you think about uh, as well, playing on the franchise tag, you know, this year. Um, it just, it's just it's perplexing because it's so different from everything that we've become accustomed to with New England over the last uh, two decades. I go back to my first year covering the team in Boston in 2009. It was Tom Brady's first year back from the injury, and they really had some ups and downs that year. I remember NFL Films was following them that season, and you, I remember seeing Bill Belichick in the offensive staff room just like, man, if they take Randy Moss away deep and you know somebody's down on Welker short, we got nothing. We got absolutely nothing. I'm like, mm-hmm. this year, you don't you don't have anything close to Randy Moss and Wes Welker, you know? So like, what, what is there? You know, it's like Damian Harris had a nice game on the ground, but the Patriots defense was gashed on the ground. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary and Josh Allen all combining to have a really successful day on the ground. Um, This just, this isn't it. This, this feels like a lot. I feel a lot more comfortable saying that the Patriots are not going to win this division right now this year than we did the on to Cincinnati year a couple of years ago, right back in 2014. It just, it feels, it feels different this year for sure. And I do want to say something about Josh Allen because Bucky, you brought it up. Teams are starting to figure out a way to defend him. The numbers are really glaring the last four weeks. Um, I don't know if we've seen that change now um, after they started out 4-0 and Josh Allen was an MVP candidate and he was hot. I mean, he had thrown 12 touchdown passes, had just four giveaways through the first four weeks. He's now 
has more giveaways than touchdowns in the last four weeks. And the Bills have gone two and two in that time is that the passing yards per game have dropped about over 100 yards per game. Maybe it's level of competition, uh, but I don't know. It's a weird trend for this Bills offense, but they are sitting pretty at six and two on top of the AFC East. No, it's a good point. I mean, look, they, they're going to have to get better. The wins are nice, but uh, going through a lull here. Got to yeah. figure some things out offensively. All right, Buck, what's uh, what's your next one here? Takeaway eight. The Seattle Seahawks bounce back in a major way. Niners look like they want to blitz. Russ looks, throws back inside, ball is caught. It's Metcalf, who makes one man now, two man miss. 30, 25, 20, turns up field. They don't touch him. Touchdown, Seahawks. How in the world did he tiptoe up the sidelines? Man, nobody touched him. Seahawks are on the board first, 6 nothing. Look, man, it's interesting watching the Seahawks show up and play every week because when I look at this offense, I know it's all about Russell Wilson. He bounced back from a three-interception performance to have really a perfect day, four touchdowns, found a way to connect with D.K. Metcalf. I think the conversation around D.K. Metcalf is fascinating to me. I I hear people throwing out these comparisons to Megatron and others, and why was he drafted so low? But when I look at D.K. Metcalf, had a success that he's having with the Seattle Seahawks, and he had a dominant day, 12 catches, a couple touchdowns. It is a perfect example of fit and scheme. The Seattle Seahawks are asking him to do things that he did at Ole Miss, vertical plays, not asking him to do a lot of stop and start routes, and he's having success. And to me, when I look at D.K. Metcalf on tape, he reminds me a lot of T.O., a lot of Terrell Owens, big, fast, physical, straight line, playmaker and he's having a dominant season on the outside and because of that the Seattle Seahawks offense is rolling with Russell Wilson cooking in the backfield yeah look I think you know this is the Seattle Seahawks passing game represents maybe the most perfect trio of any pass game trio with DK Metcalf with Tyler Lockett and with Russell Wilson because as Bucky was saying I know we'll try to get him back here but with Bucky saying you know DK Metcalf and the way they're using him fits his skill set of his size and his speed to get past you to muscle through you and then you got Tyler Lockett whose skill set is probably one of the more underrated in football his suddenness his change of direction his ability to run routes and get open Uh, and then you have Russell Wilson when those guys are covered has the trust and the talent, DJ, to still put the ball in a position for his guys and only his guys to make a play. We've seen he's as good as anybody with the tight window throws. Uh, those are always fun to watch, and we've seen him score on a couple of those. Um, and so I, I just feel like you pick your poison with the Seahawks' pass game. It's really hard for opposing defenses to defend. You almost have to count on a game like last week where Russell Wilson throws the uncharacteristic three interceptions. you got to count on mistakes from them to try to slow that that crew down because they can just they have a whole different uh, a whole whole bunch of ways to kind of solve whatever you're throwing at them and you watch when you have a a day like they had throwing the football they'll get healthier as the season goes along and and we'll see these these other backs that are going to start running here get more comfortable and there's going to be some there's going to be some lanes for those guys to get the run game going i think you'll see that uh going forward all right how about the ninth takeaway Rhett? oh how about the raiders gutting it out in a windy cleveland ohio 149 remaining. Here's Jacobs. Got a hole and go. First down, 40, 45 yard line. And Josh Jacobs putting this one away. His biggest game of the year so far. Yeah, you better believe it, Brent Musburger. 31 carries, 128 yards. I mean, like, he was the offense 
not just for the Raiders, but in this entire game, he had more rushing yards than Derek Carr had passing. He had more rushing yards than the Browns did combined. He had more rushing yards than Baker Mayfield had passing. He was the most prolific performer in this game. And, you know, credit to John Gruden and their staff for recognizing in a game and in a place where you had 45 mile an hour wind gusts at times, you're going to have to get ugly with this game. Uh, and they found a way to get it done on the ground. They found a way to get it done with defense that, uh, you know, Paul Gunther's crew stepped up and played well against uh, this Cleveland team. And look, I think Cleveland would have loved to have Nick Chubb. This would have been a real uh, Nick Chubb type of game. Uh, Kareem Hunt, 14 for 66, couldn't quite get it going. I know they're missing Wyatt Teller, too, on the interior of that offensive line. Big piece there for Cleveland. But, look, these are two over 500 teams. And for the Raiders, you've got to feel good about this game, DJ, getting to put this one in your back pocket as you play some more cold-weather games down the second half of this season and perhaps into the playoffs. I thought it was interesting because you had two teams trying to take that next step, right, to try and move up and take that next step. Both of them uh, would believe that they're very physical teams. And I thought it was uh, with the weather, it came down to simple. It was real simple. Who's going to be the more physical team? And, and the Raiders, they go out there and clearly were the more physically dominant team in this football game. So if you're a Raider fan, you got to feel good about that. And a hat tip to Mike Mayock, our buddy, who when he got to the Raiders said he was going to build a tough foot, football team. And, and that was for games just like this. Yeah. And uh, they got it done. So. Uh, let's stay inside the division for the final takeaway in one of the most bizarre games, as the Charger games usually are. Uh, the Broncos unlocked their offense. 17-yard penalty puts the ball just inside the two. Okwegwanam in short motion. Locke rolls to his right. Locke throws a ball. In zone catch. Touchdown, Denver. No. He, no. What are they saying? K.J. Hamler caught the ball. Now one official. Yes, touchdown. Touchdown, Denver! Holy mackerel! Yeah, holy mackerel is right. You can heard the <laughs> Matt Money Smith and myself react to it on the other side of that on the Chargers radio broadcast. But man, it, kind of an epic collapse there by the Chargers. But I do want to give Drew Lock credit for an offense that that uh, didn't do anything in the first half. In the second half, he was able to get some things rolling. A big run by Philip Lindsay, a big dig route that went for a touchdown to Deshaun Hamilton, and you saw some of the big playability from Drew Lock. He's, is he consistent? No. Is there some decision-making that still needs to improve? Absolutely. But at least you saw some signs of life there. Uh, is he a good dancer? No. He's not a good dancer. I'm going to go on record with that. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Right. But, that's, Swag. But, that, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, he, I just like I, I love the subtlety with it, like the you know just the very you know smooth. It was I I, I love the way that he gets into it, man. Uh, he's got his own little style and um, I think we can appreciate that. And if anything, this is this is some optimism for the Broncos in a season that's been pretty tough, three and four. You know, so far they've dealt with some injuries too to some key players, right? With Cortland Sutton, with Von Miller. But speaking of oh, speaking of Cortland Sutton. I mean, you're not even he's not even playing this season. And you're talking about guys making plays like K.J. Hamler, your second round pick this year, the rookie. Jerry Judy's made some plays. I, we haven't even scratched the surface of what he can do in this league yet. Uh, Noah Fant, you know, when healthy, has proven to be a really strong tight end. And then uh, our boy Albert O, Albert Okuebunam, I mean, they put him in there on that last play to draw the uh, the pass interference. Clearly drew that up. And uh, and so, look, there's there's some fun you know, Deshaun Hamilton had a touchdown catch in this game. So, like, there's some fun pieces for this Broncos offense. I will say right now that this will be the most hyped 
offensive team heading into 2021 in the offseason once we wrap up here um, this 2020 season, that the Broncos are going to be leading the hype machine uh, and the hype parade going into next season, especially with what they have on offense. But for the Chargers, like we talked about it on the phone last night, DJ, when you were driving home, I was like, yeah. the, the referee may have signaled incomplete, but they were playing the Chargers, and you knew that that was going to get turned you around. You just knew right away that it was it was a touchdown. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, you know, the interesting the interesting thing, going back to the Broncos real quick, if you watch the first half of that game, you would not be talking about the hype train with this team at all. I mean, they couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't do anything offensively, right. nothing. Right. And, and all those they receivers you mentioned, Tim Patrick didn't play in this game. Tim Patrick's been their best receiver yeah. all year long. He's been better than Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. And Deshaun Hamilton. So they didn't have him in this game. They couldn't get anything going. Then they finally got some uh, momentum there in the second half. But I, I will push back a little bit, and not, not to be biased here, but I think when you look at where Drew Locke is, and I know he won this football game, and you look where Justin Herbert is. Yeah, that's different. I can make yeah. a strong case. You've got a lot more reason to be optimistic about uh, what's going on at the quarterback position with, with Justin Herbert. But the Chargers blow 16-point leads like every game. So they've got to figure right. out a way to, to try and get that uh, cleaned up there. But uh, this is going to be interesting inside yeah. the division next week. I believe it's Chargers Raiders. So, uh, man, it, it'll come down to the wire. I can guarantee you that. They all do. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Another fun takeaway episode, Buck. And looking ahead to next week, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, we get round two. Brady Breeze. Man, that should be a fun one because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been playing better offensively. They're coming together, and we may get a chance to see Antonio Brown. I'm excited for some weather games. Let's get some good weather games. I want to see some. I want to see a ton of snow. Let's get a bunch of snow. <laughs> wow weather. Let's get it wet. Let's get sloppy. It's starting to feel like fall. I mean, we're, in California, we actually wear a thing called a sweatshirt now. It's pretty fun. Uh, but anyways, that was a, a fun episode today. Looking at the takeaways. Excited to have you guys back with us next week as we continue to uh, hopefully educate a little bit here on Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.